You're listening to a Westpac Wire podcast, westpacwire.com.au. We think of resilience as the ability to bounce back from a shock or a setback, and it's often something we want to build into our kids. But what about the idea of resilient cities? My name is Siobhan Tuhill, and I'm joined today by Sydney's Chief Resilience Officer, Beck Dawson. Beck, welcome to the studio, and congratulations on the launch of Sydney's first resilience strategy. So what is resilience and what do we mean when we refer to a resilient city? Thanks for having us along, Siobhan. So resilience is a capacity question in my mind. So what's our capacity to change, adapt, survive or thrive in a range of different situations? So when it comes to a city, what we're trying to understand is how do all the systems of the city work? How do the people interact with all those systems and how those people systems connect? So that when we talk about resilience um, and the definition of it used by 100 resilient cities is the capacity of all those parts. So people institutions, businesses, communities to survive, adapt and thrive in the face of chronic stresses or acute shocks. So they're sort of parts of understanding what will disrupt us, what all the ways in which those disruptions might happen. And is this about long-term disruption or a short-term shock or is it both? It's both. So an acute shock is really a short-term disruption that might impact the city for a number of days, weeks, maybe months. But a chronic stress is a long, slow-burning issue that if you don't do something Something about it can potentially cause just as much of or in fact amplify disasters. So now the genesis of the Resilient Cities program is, is an interesting one. How did it come about and who's behind it and why Sydney? Good question. So uh, the program is actually already five years old. It began in 2013 as a response to the centenary year of the Rockefeller Foundation. So they've been around 100. They said, what are we going to do for the next 100 years? They canvassed across the world and said, what are the big issues? And they came up with three key drivers or issues that they thought really needed a response. And that was urbanisation, globalisation and climate change. So this program has been designed to address those challenges. And the way I, the shorthand way to describe that is really to say we have more and more people living in smaller and smaller places on the planet in cities. The everyday needs that supply those cities are coming from further and further away with more disparate and more globalised supply chains. And on top of all of that, we've just got a big disruptor called climate change, which can impact both the supply chain, the places where those things come from, but also the location itself and the people in that community. It's a cocktail of risk that I think we haven't really thought through in the in the process of understanding how that's happening across the world. So this framework and the structure of the program is to try and address that. And why was Sydney chosen to be part of the program? So in the way that they designed it, they looked at 126 cities internationally that had looked, been through a big disaster with a big catastrophe, so a big loss of life or big asset losses, and said, well, what are the things that make a resilient city? What makes it stronger? What makes it vulnerable? What would we do differently? And that's where the framework comes from, from 100 resilient cities and the program genesis. So when they did that, they said, really, we need to test it. So they pulled the framework together. They put a call out to cities internationally. They had a thousand applications and they've only accepted a hundred cities. So it was a competitive tender effectively process. Um, and so they've done it in three waves of about 30 odd cities each over a number of years. And that's deliberate to try and, and evolve and understand how the process of it can work and can we refine it. So it's sort of a pilot program of uh, a global proportions. 
So um, you talk about the importance of thinking of Sydney as one city and others talk of Sydney as a city of cities um, and others even think of it as the CBD and then Western Sydney. So I'd like to know a bit more about what you mean by one city and the strength of thinking of Sydney as one city. So one of the things that we did in the engagement process for the strategy was we did uh, a kind of I would call it an in-depth kind of co-design process and a prioritisation process with people from all the different levels of the city. So we talked to, I don't know, we describe them as decision makers and influencers. We talked to operators of the city and then we talked to communities or people residents in different parts of Sydney. And when we had to ask them what makes a, st- a city strong, what makes it vulnerable, what are the issues that you see emerging in your local place and what would you prioritise for resilience, every single one of those layers and in every conversation we had, people called out governance in Sydney. And people were describing how they really felt like the layers of the city weren't necessarily connecting together. And that description you've just given of Western Sydney and the CBD, like all the Eastern suburbs, it depends, you know, where you come from in Sydney is very geographically placed here rather than anything else. And so it's a very common way of describing the city, but people all think they live in Sydney. And there's a, cl- a clarity of that when you start thinking of the systems, you know, where does our water come from, our power go, how does the city work in terms of transport and jobs. We actually all need to think of it as one city to understand it at that system scale. So that's one of the key directions in the strategy. One of the other directions you talk about is connect for strength. It is. So in terms of uh, the key attributes of resilience at city scale, one of the things that came out of that research initially from Arup and the 126 City Review was looking at if you could choose one thing you could change in a city, what would be that one thing that you would move the dial on how you would do in the next big disaster? And the answer is social cohesion or social capital. So how connected are our communities? How connected are our institutions? And when they are very well connected, then of course we are better to, better able to respond in a, a crisis, but also then to do the recovery afterwards. So we see that in places like New Orleans or um, other other cultures where groups of people, if they're not really working together and being collaborative and across any kind of cultural or geographical boundaries in that location, really struggle after a disaster. So Connect for Strength is Sydney's approach to that. Our connections are really high on global terms, but certainly locally, um, we're seeing a decline in the statistics for metropolitan Sydney in terms of cohesion. And because it is so important for disasters, it's the one thing we need to absolutely continue to invest in. We need to absolutely get on, know your neighbours, be connected, work out how you can work with other institutions and organisations in your jobs so that we are really understanding how all those pieces fit together in our city. Now, I found it really interesting that in setting out the major acute shocks um, in the strategy, you list financial institutional failure as third after extreme weather and infrastructure failure, and it's actually ahead of a terrorist attack. So I'm really curious around why um, financial institutional failure is so high. Sydney's a really big financial services economy, so that because it's such a big part of our broad economy for here and for New South Wales, and because it's such a big contribution for the nation, just a small 
disruption in that obviously makes a massive impact across the rest of the city because so many of our services and structures, the local economy of Sydney is really built up to support that global Sydney that we all think of in terms of the way the economy works. So when we see something like a GFC occur, even a small blip in some of those other countries can have a quite big impact here in Australia. And we've also seen some of the big institutions like HIH previously and Insurer that collapsed have really big ramifications across the economy and particularly to large numbers of people. So we do need that strength of economy to happen here. It needs to be really clear in the governance of our financial institutions. It's been clearly um, played out in the public sphere recently. But it's important for the long-term health of our economy that those things are strong and that governance is really clear so people want to come and do business here too. I mean I think it's really fascinating to reflect on how a financial institution and or the strength of financial institutions then plays out uh, in the strength of our cities. So the strategy lists out 35 actions, there's a lot of actions, which is the one that you're most excited about? <laughs> There's a few I'm really excited about. The one I'm uh, personally excited to see happen is the one that's addressing Sydney's top shock, and that's our Cool Suburbs program. And the reason I'm excited is because everyone knows in this city that, you know, there's all this contested streetscape that we live in. We're walking down the street, you've got a black pathway, you've got black roofs, we've got not many trees in some of our streets across the city. It might not be very easy to walk down, especially when it's hot. So looking at that kind of general environment that we're living in a lot of the time in the city, we can do so much to improve its heat um, and like reduce the heat. So we've looked at there's 10 different attributes that are required in a streetscape to in cooler city. So this Cool Suburbs is a rating tool that will help developers and councils and people building using building products like road makers and roof producers to come up with a whole range of products that really help mitigate that and enable ordinary people to buy those products and put them on your streetscape or in your driveway but also from a planning point of view then we're keeping everyone honest in terms of making sure all the people are doing their their part to make a cooler streetscape and a cooler environment to live in across our city which is absolutely what we need to happen. I agree. And then um, I guess out of all those actions, um, for me as just a regular citizen, what's the thing that I can most help with or do to, to help make Sydney more resilient? Yeah, so we've got a program called um, Get Prepared, which has been um, produced by the Red Cross and in conjunction with IAG. They've built on the many decades of work that the Red Cross have been doing on helping communities in emergencies, but also being prepared up front. And so they've turned it into an app. It's really easy to use and absolutely everybody in the city can download it and have a crack, but you can also ask for a paper copy from Red Cross. It basically steps you through a series of stages that helps you understand who are you connected to? Who would you need to be connected to in an emergency? What kind of resources have you got nearby? What could you have at home that would be ready in case you needed it? What sort of things should you be concerned about or know about that might happen in your area? It's a really simple tool. It takes about 10 minutes to do it's something you can do with your family and your children or other members of your community that you're engaged with. Um, we found it really interesting looking at other cities that have had big disasters. An example would be Christchurch. And I think the funny example that people tell me is they didn't realise they were going to have to spend so much time worrying about pets. But, for example, this app steps you through those processes. Do you have pets? Do you have elderly relatives or kids you need to consider? What would you do and how would you work together? We're not very prepared as community in Sydney, so it's something that everybody can do and everyone can play their part. I must admit I've jumped on the app, and it does take a bit of time and a bit of thought to actually work through it. But I, I take your point. It's better to do it now when you've got the time as opposed to in a moment of crisis. 
Absolutely. Now, if I was a business leader or a politician, what do you think is the thing that should really be keeping me awake at night when you think about the resilience of Sydney? You know, it was when I started this job and um, I've come from a range of different industries, I really realised I didn't know enough about some of the core systems of the city. So one of the things I did was I went and interviewed about 20 different people from different sectors who are you know, running kind of major waterways or power or even the rubbish of how the city works across um, the metropolitan area. And really what I discovered in asking many different people what they were worried about was that it was actually the things in between all of the organisations that are the things that are probably what will undo us on the day that when the bad day comes, if you like. When the water system doesn't understand how it's connected to the power system, and those are two critical life support systems in our city as an example, and when we don't understand how dependent we are on a liquid fuel delivery that's coming from Singapore across the South um, China Sea, down the coast past all the cyclone zone and into Sydney on a just-in-time delivery basis, I think we don't realise that level of efficiency that's driven into all the systems of our city. So as leaders, I'm really asking organisations to come together in the 100 Resilient Organisations program that we've got as one of our actions to say, well, what are we connected to? Who do we rely on? And what are we expecting of those other people or those other organisations in our city to deliver to us? And in what kind of basis? And I think a lot of those things have worked really well in the city and that's why the city works as well as it does. But we really haven't been tested. And so how can you understand that reliance better? How do we understand who we need to be connected to and have those relationships in advance? And that's really the challenge for here. So, Beck, as you've been developing the strategy, I'm sure you've done an enormous amount of research um, looking around the world and getting a sense of which cities are getting it right. You know, when you think about that, which city can truly claim to be resilient? Oh, cheeky question. I think um, all of us are on a pathway of resilience. I'm not sure you ever really get there. In part, it's just like thinking about your organisation or your household you know, how your capacity to be adaptable at any one time is really up to the conditions of where you're at and um, and what resources you've got available too, right? I think um, the really strong connected communities are where we see the best resilience and I think that reminder that it's in the end about people and relationships and those connections between us being strong is of course the thing about living anywhere in a society and a city is just a really big example of a big lots of communities all living together and in the end we just all have to decide to get along. The one that really addresses that as a community aspect in terms of global cities, Boston in the United States had a really interesting lens to their resilience strategy. They took an, an approach of saying the one thing that will really fundamentally undo us is our racial inequity, and that's been obviously embedded in their culture for some time. But their whole plan and their whole city delivery going forward is absolutely about addressing that issue in every single policy they're making from here on. And I thought that was a brave and really clear leadership stand on understanding that community issue at the heart of their I guess, longevity, their future and their resilience. Um, it's a good example of how some of these programs are, t are being are tackling really different problems mm. around the world. It's very specific to the community where it comes from. Yeah, and I can see how that plays out in terms of this import the importance of civil stability. Yeah. That, exactly. So what does it take to be Sydney's first Chief Resilience Officer? You've had a really interesting career to date. You've worked in Outward Bound, you've, been, um, you've worked in a science museum and you've worked in sustainability in the property sector. So how have your experiences set you up for this very new kind of role? 
That's a good question. I think um, looking at the program and the way that they've they've pulled up the first wave of cities around the world, they had lots of engineers doing this job. I think they realised that a big part of it was going to really be about engaging so many different people across the city and being able to talk to a range of them. So that's where that skill base of having a different set of sectors under my belt has been very useful. Um, I think the other things I would say is that having... Sp- been in a range of roles at an operational level, having been in a different set of sectors and but mostly always trying to find new and interesting ways to communicate with people about things that might be quite technically heavy has been very useful in this job because at one level you could do a big technical risk assessment of Sydney and make it pretty unintelligible pretty easily. So trying to use all that background and all the practice I'd had previously has come to the fore here to try and really simplify it in a way that people can get engaged and really realise that they have something to, a role to play and that they have something that they can do in terms of really supporting the whole city. Yeah, I can't imagine the amount of consultation that you've needed to do to make this happen. And uh, I guess bringing all the councils together um, uh, through an, an into-one um, strategy. So, Beck, when you look back in 10 years' time, how will you know that Sydney has become more resilient? I've been thinking a lot about that, obviously, having just launched the strategy recently. And um, the thing I... Th- I The thing I really consider is that there'll be a range of different structures in place that we don't have today. And so things like policies really emerging that kind of cover and and deal with those gaps I was describing before and that help put some infrastructure in place so that the different parts of the systems of the city are more connected and that business and government is clear about its role and responsibility to the community. Because at one level, what we've really just achieved here is a community risk assessment that clarifies that transfer of risk that's happening down through the layers to people at the bottom and trying to help articulate how we can change that outcome. And so I think that piece of policy, and we're seeing bits of that emerge, like there's been some new legislation on electricity emergencies emerge here in New South Wales in December last year that enables government to step in and stop trading of the market and direct where energy will go, for example, on a heatwave day to protect the community or protect businesses that deliver core services. So that's a first piece of, of policy that I see coming through. I think at a people level, we'll be talking about the whole of Sydney and that actually that level of respect and I guess valuing the role that different organisations and different parts of our city play in our whole prosperity and our productivity as a whole place, but also that it's a great place to live and continues to be because we're better connected and we're understanding more about what other parts of the cities contribute to to all of our lives. That that to me would be success. And from my point of view, just even getting the mayors to get to know each other across the city and understand from a leadership position what their roles are and also leaders from other businesses also being connected to them helps start that conversation. We realise that we're all in one big place together. We all have something that we all need to contribute. So, Beck, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been fantastic to understand much more about how the strategies come together but also what we can do to help make Sydney a stronger, more resilient city. Looking forward to working with you. My, uh, my favourite phrase is that resilience is a team sport. You absolutely can't do it by yourself. So happy to have more organisations on board. Thanks, Siobhan. For sure. Thanks. Thanks, Beck. That's all from us today at Westpac Wire. For more, head to westpacwire.com.au.